Hey everybody, welcome to FTF Podcast. It's me, Drew Toothpaste, with Ed Zitron. Uh, episode 19 of uh, our very highly targeted podcast about a very narrow range of topics. Uh, Ed, how are you doing today? Yep. Doing okay. Probably getting sick. So when this comes out, you'll know whether I'm sick or not. Yeah. You can at message me at I am a, at Donald J. Trump on Twitter. You can let me know. Oh, man. You want to know if I was sick? That's a little joke. That was pretty twisted. <laughs> I don't even think... I don't think that's even his handle. Now, the thing that's really got me this week um, is this... Rob Wisman, I think we were debating yeah, beforehand yeah, yeah. exactly how to say his name. He went on this great rant about, basically, I'm not going to read it off. It was very long. And I don't, I think it's only derivative to just literally read out a guy's thing. Yeah, yeah. Even though I do it like every other episode. But, so Rob went on this projected rant about male vulnerability and weight issues. And at one point when when I think about gender, which is really cool. And I think that it's stuck around. I saw it, it was several days after it went out. People were still tweeting out. People were still saying how good it was. And then there's like the irony guys who got upset about it. And I don't really know why. I don't really know why they were so upset. I, oh, I know why. We can debate that later. I know why. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go Why don't you tell Go us then? Tell the class. <laughs> so, uh... Uh, first of all, I, I've been totally, uh, I've been totally out of it. I got put on these, uh, high strength antibiotics cause I've been, I've been sick for so long, like everybody else, at least in the Midwest. And, uh, so I'm totally, uh, totally out of it. Probably been misreading everybody's social cues, but, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, the problem is that when you post stuff that's funny and you post stuff that shows that you're savvy and you're like a 30 year old or, or, you know, I don't, I don't know how old Rob is when you're a, a late twenties you're a 30 year old guy and you got a lot of people following you who are savvy and they like to make fun of the same things and all this. Uh, and, and you post something and uh, it's, it's sincere. I think a lot of people get mad. When you uh, when you are posting something and it's actually what you think and it's not like in this sort of sneering tone, because uh, I I think it. But why does it piss them off? Because I think it lays bare the fact that it's very hard to say what you actually think, because if you just make little jabs at things and you just say little snarky comments, then you really sidestep the whole idea of whether anybody is is you know giving you feedback or whether you're actually expressing anything or not of course if you make some little comment and it gets popular then it's of course because you're very funny if you make some little comment and it doesn't get popular then you are just fucking around but if you actually say your true feelings and nobody interacts with it that uh like rob pointed out which is very funny uh, it leaves you very vulnerable, and I'm sure it feels very bad. Yeah. And it's weird as well. I don't know why. I, I think that the reason it's stuck around so much on a positive side is because Rob has an amazing tenor to everything he does. He's just fucking pissed off when he gets, I don't know if you've watched Golf Kings, probably. 
don't know if you do Twitch streams, whoever you are listening, basically Rob will occasionally go off on these big rants and they're not baseless. They're not rambling much like my podcast. They are active and engaged, but also he's furious he, because he's lived these things. I believe he worked at Amazon and literally within the, the piss fields where you have to like piss in a bottle or you get fired and you don't have a boss, you have a drone. Or yeah. That's, that's hyperbole. Yeah. Oh, it, he has lived this and his fury is palpable and it comes out and it's great. And I think that there is a more advanced level to what he's doing with how angry he's getting. And I think what he stands for, and he's at this perfect age where like what he's saying does appeal to a lot of his listeners. Well, I imagine all like late twenties, early thirties, white guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that it makes a lot of, uh, a lot of people uncomfortable to see. Now I'll, I'll preface this by saying it seemed like it was really well received. It got a lot of interest it got a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people said really nice things to him. I I thought it was very nice that he posted and he said, "Hey, you know, uh, these are issues. These are issues I've had, and and all this and all that." And, and it, you know, I think part of and and there was not a very strong backlash. You know, there was maybe a, a handful. No, it was just like a festering pool of people who were pissed off because. I don't know why. I think that it, those who got annoyed were very small minority of people who just get annoyed at everything. Yeah. and But there really wasn't much for Rob to be criticized on. He was like, oh yeah, I, I feel all this. And then he didn't really like, he wasn't doing it for something. There wasn't anything manipulative about it. And there wasn't really a goal beyond having a conversation about it, which is great and very Rob. And it is weird that there were people who would be annoyed at this, but I don't even know. I don't even know why they'd be annoyed. It it upsets me. <laughs> well, I you know I think it's uh, uh, I think it's great for people, especially men, to uh, kind of undermine. We've talked about this: the toxic masculinity online uh and it's you know it's very hard to say that it's it's something that clearly exists and it's something that's true but i think if if a lot of people in our demographic ed were to say the phrase toxic masculinity especially uh especially men it might be taken for a joke and here's the the not so big secret that I think lurks in the in the shadows of the same spaces we we inhabit online is the fact that uh, 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 everybody knows that you have to be, you know, to to be in company of of the same people we're in company, you know, we we share a space with. Uh, you have to be essentially a leftist. Right. I mean, and that's not hard to to do because, you know, there are very basic ideas like, yeah, I don't think poor people should suffer and die X, Y and Z. I think women are equal to men. Very basic things. But I think there are those that that resent it and they want the company of people, but they're maybe attracted by like the Pepe thing. Do you know what I'm saying? 
like there are a lot of dudes. I guess yeah. there are a lot of dudes lurking, and you know it. It doesn't matter how cool a publication is. It doesn't matter how cool a podcast is. Uh, it doesn't matter how cool somebody's Twitter account is or how cool a person is. There are fans of that where, uh, you know, they they profess really openly and, and glibly to be, you know, leftist, socialist, communist, uh, whatever the words are, whatever the words are, because the words constantly shift because it's like, you know, it's this whole thing. And it and uh, the the thing is, is that a, a lot of these dudes still carry this toxic masculinity. And so it pervades even these spaces where, hey, you know, people are supposed to be equal. And hey, uh, you know, get get 10 or 15 dudes together in a in a group DM online and see how long it takes before they they come to a consensus and I'll say, you know, not everybody necessarily vocally agrees. Not everybody necessarily will want to participate in the conversation, but you know, uh, uh, get 15 dudes together unless they're like handpicked to be the best of the best men, right? Get, get them together. Curated dude experience. Yeah. Yeah. If you do not have a curated dude experience, get them together and see what they start fucking saying about women. I mean, it, it, it and and if you if you have anything to say about it, you get immediately ostracized if people don't, you know, if people don't start calling you names or whatever. It, it's it's something where people are very unhappy like uh I think that 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 behavior is really uh, is really endemic still to people who share our spaces and people will will still hold up something like, you know, what what our buddy Rob said uh, about masculinity and self image and, you know, being being a man and having this like idea of yourself of who you're supposed to be and uh, still, you know, having intrusive thoughts and and having just horrible self-loathing all of this uh there's all this lurking below the surface where like i said you you pick any you know 10 15 20 random dudes on twitter and you cram them together and then have have one of them post a picture of uh, any any woman anybody it doesn't matter and one or two or five dudes will pop up and start saying would or would not with the implication being that I am I admit I haven't seen this as much recently and it might just be because I'm like isolated from these people I I think I've never really had a ton of like peer pressure well I'll like peer pressure's never really affected me that much well I'll I'll tell you so uh you know I I know that you and I have mutual friends who who indulge in this kind of behavior, and and you know I think uh, it it kind of winnowed its way out because I started being like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> like uh, I yeah. I don't think you know I I don't think the JPEG propositioned you, bud, 
right? I don't think uh, I don't think anybody was asking you to rank it. I think somebody don't was fuck the JPEG. I think somebody was sharing a funny picture of like a woman fishing and she caught a fucking octopus instead of a fish or something, right? Like it's not it, it's not a rating session. That's not a fish, right? Right. That's the yeah. That's the point. So uh, that's me when I'm looking at like pictures of like things that aren't what I expect. I just yell. <laughs> what? <laughs> That cat beat up a dog, but the dog's bigger. <laughs> just my entire, I have like the, I'm like a baby. So I just like, what? Just everything surprises me. Oh, I think that's a, that's, that's a fan. That would be a lovely way to live. If like I experience joy from any of this online stuff anymore. If I like saw a meme and my first thought wasn't saw that three days ago. <laughs> well, just my first fucking like reaction to anything like that is like, oh yeah. Well, this this I've seen that shit before. You know, I I feel that way when it comes to uh, you know, just the the garden variety, just the stuff where people do it and they do it and then it gets exhausted. The guy, you know, the guy slapping the car. And uh, the purple guy who disintegrates stuff and like all the all the shit they do. That's just like a meme, a meme, a meme. Right. And this leads me to what I was telling you about earlier today, which is that I I love I absolutely love niche memes. And these are memes that are super, super. Catered to people who do a certain hobby or have a certain job that's like very specific or people who, uh, so I'll give you an example. A buddy of mine, it it got into day trading. I, you know, in the past couple of years, he got into day trading and I'm like, that's great. I'm talking to him about it. And it's this very complex thing. And it's very interesting to me. I, I like, uh, learning about what other people do because you know you only have I did it I did it once and I lost like five hundred dollars I was like this is too hard. Did you Just really on yeah I Just insanely stupid. Uh it it sounds fun. I think it's one of those things where where like poker you can get into it and you can see the ability to make money. Uh I think you know uh small minority of people actually make money on it who are you know individuals just doing it for for fun or yeah. for investment or whatever but the the best part of all of it is that i found day trading memes yeah and they all basically uh they all basically involve people day trading and it's like there's a guy uh, and he's sitting on a beach, and and it's a little cartoon. He's got his hand around uh, a a woman, and she is thinking of a heart, and he is thinking of the stock market. That is the meme. That's absolutely the meme. That sounds like a meme that just comes from, oh, excuse me, one of those success win guys. That they're like, yeah, I'm out with this girl, but really, I'm thinking of the stocks. Yes. Yes. Like that just feels like something they'd post. Like day trading memes. Let's take a gander at these, shall we? Okay. Um uh, Oh yeah, you got all the classic. 
Yeah, it's it's you if know you the pay trade on fifty million TF or less, and you don't have a trading plan. Good luck to you, bro. Uh, you know, I I've seen a bunch of them that center around the idea of a stop loss, and uh, just because because yeah. I've been deadly sick. Well, that's exaggerating. I've had a bad sinus infection. You know, I've. Uh, been taking antibiotics. They make me feel awful. So just sit around fucking reading Wikipedia. Uh, uh, and so a stop loss is, you know, when you have a stock and it loses a certain amount of money, uh, it will automatically sell it back before you lose your your shirt, right? Yeah. On the stock. And all of unless the- Unless there's not an offer, unless there's not an offer that will make, unless you've got like a market maker. Right, right, right. No, I, I actually- no, I don't know what that. <laughs> I was I was going to go way, for it. I was going to pr- sell a stock. Yeah. If you sell a stock from what I understand, if you sell a stock like with you need someone else to buy it. And that doesn't mean one person. It could be like a hedge fund or whoever does stock trade. I don't fucking know that shit. Right. But- for example, if I sell something for $122, there needs to be someone who wants to buy it for that or around that. Otherwise, no one will buy it. Yeah. That's what I was getting at there. Yeah. No, I... Uh, I know how stocks work. I I very... I only vaguely know how stocks work. <laughs> I, I oh, was going to... a good one. I was going to... Well, here's a good one. We got the Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder leaning one, and it's yeah. also JPEG compression. Yeah. It's really good. Wow, your chart of neutral limit span B midwave is so amazing. Tell me more about why you're shorting IBM at a pie of 13, a PE of 13 into rising large players volume. Fuck yeah. That is so specific. <laughs> like, tell me you, why you're what? tell me why you're shorting Yeah. <laughs> tell me again why why you're shorting IBM a PE of 13 into rising large players volume. <laughs> I'm guessing that if I had to guess based on what I know, that means that you're basically no, I have uh, no fucking clue. No, There's I like I, a lot of these. I don't know. And there are There's a, there are a ton of them. There's like like any memes. There's like a bunch of them. That's just like the success kid, and he the kid with his little clenched fists, and he says like "fuck yeah, I made money on the stock market." <laughs> but uh but the really market crash is worse than divorce you're you lose half your money and your wife is still around oh <sighs> yeah yeah i i the more specific the more specific it is the more the more i love it so if you guys out there uh listening if you have any niche memes maybe your your area of expertise or the field you work in uh you know i'm sure there's like geothermal engineering memes i i haven't looked it up i'm i'm sure there's like uh dairy queen employee memes or something you know there's there's got to be uh there's there's memes for for everything i guess they're really sort of universal when you think about it <laughs> so yeah okay. i i've seen like and i all i admit i've wanted to post like really specific destiny 2 memes like make my own then i realized how bad that would be 
Like how bad, yeah. not just how bad I'd look, but how bad I'd feel. Uh, yeah, you know, you know what I think, you know what I think that's for? I, I think it's absolutely great. I think it's not something where you would post it on your own account. I think it's something where you would make it and you would either send it to a group chat or you'd send it to one person. Yeah. See, I think, I think there are things where, uh, you know, the context, you know, if you're going to put that in front of 10 or, or, or 20, uh, 40,000 people, it's it's really going to be it's really not going to seem like general appeal and it's really going to be like why is you know why is this PR expert posting this handmade destiny destiny 2 meme but i know uh, so i actually do have a really niche meme that i've done before so at kappa have i mentioned this before at kappa underscore kappa she's like a lady online and she like posts like pictures of herself so she just get, has like a following of reply guys. Right, right, yeah. And she and I have this long-running joke, and it's, I don't hate me so much. So I, for the longest time, did not know what the Elephant Man was. I'm getting, okay. I'm getting there. I it, And so Bradley Cooper went and he did this this stage version of the elephant man no idea what it was but i saw him and he always had his mouth open in like an o shape so i just for some reason saw those pictures and just thought he was going ooh, and i thought that was really funny <laughs> and so yeah. did kappa kappa so we'd go back and forth just posting these and then sadly her reply guys got involved and eventually someone was like yeah um that is a thing about like a man with severe physical disability i was like oh shit just no idea so, oh no! So now it's transformed <laughs> into, and also I stopped doing them because like all the reply guys started doing them. Oh, and also their yeah. art was weak. Just gonna be completely yeah. honest. And it used to be just like me with like the walking stick, and it would be like me, like me. I'm the elephant man, and the walking stick was pictures of Bradley Cooper with annotations, and the woman holding the stick would be her, and it would be like a funny thing. And now it's turned into just any picture of Bradley Cooper. Ah, like there's one where yeah. he's like handing a woman yeah. a, a small snack and I put like what the reply guys think they see and it's Bradley Cooper is the reply guy and the snack is a single like <laughs> and I, 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 I quite like that I think that that is probably the only true enjoyment I get out of Twitter these days so one day I'm just going to stop posting probably I, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I like posting things that are funny, but it seems like, uh, it seems like really, really enjoying it. The most enjoyment I get out of it is like directly talking to like one other person who I didn't know prior to like having a conversation with them. Yeah. That's like the most, that's like the best, the best thing that I get out of Twitter is like the discovery of, of talking to somebody. It doesn't matter who they are or, or if they're interesting or, or not though. Obviously I prefer the people that I chat with are interesting. Uh, really just the fact that everybody's on there and then you run into somebody and they message you or you message them or you at them or whatever, and you end up chatting with them. That's, that's, uh, 
that's incredibly nice. I think it goes back to my idea that, uh, you know, being in, in a room of, you know, 10 or 20,000 people and trying to shout over the other people talking and then have people repeating what you said. And then people you don't know coming up to you and talking to you is just a very, a very strange mode of communication for humans to undertake. But, uh, having directly having a conversation with one other person is is normal and often pleasant. Well, I was just thinking about this actually earlier and the other day. Like all of the, and there are many of them I like, so I'm not going to say they're like bad. But it's weird how there is now a cottage industry of humor on Twitter where it's the appearance of not giving a shit, like an indifference almost in the way you write, in the things you post, and. You, but how, like, everything is so carefully posted and everything needs to be so carefully posted. I mean, the classic one is, like, you can't end a tweet with an insult now because someone will say, that's a mirror. And oh, that's that's also extremely okay. funny. But, the pro, like, you can't say, like, my wife because someone will say Borat. And yeah. it's kind of funny yeah. that these things exist. But it also does make posting, like, somewhat weird and stressful. Like, oh yeah, I yeah. can't post this tweet in this way. Like, I've definitely reworded stuff to make sure it sounds funnier, which is sure. Bad. Yeah, and like, yeah. I I am the monsters that I am the monster that I make fun of here. But but I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong to rewrite something so that it's more enjoyable. I but but if you know, having to avoid like a, a hundred pressure points because, you know, some some guy called piss ass boner is going to respond and be like, is going to respond and say something to you. That's the that's like the default response, like a fucking amoeba, like a like you poke an amoeba and in an amoeba is going to barf on the needle or whatever. Yeah. Just like stimulus response, you turn on a bright light, the cockroaches run away. Yeah, it, it's like incredibly not pleasurable, and I can't imagine being—I can't imagine being the cockroach that responds to it. And there are the comedy surges in Twitter where there are the ones who there's like a positivity on Twitter. There's the contrarianism, which exists in and of, in and of all social situations. There's always someone who enjoys being contrarian. But there is this interesting contrarian wave I'm seeing now where it's like people talking about things they like and like liking them. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. What? Yeah. And there's, well, Pat Emo just unironically likes Frasier, but I don't think he ever yeah. says he does because I think that people think it's a bit when he posts like, thank God I'm Frasier on Fridays, which I yeah. always think is a great bit, but only if he really likes Frasier. Which I think yes. it's a fine show. Yes. Like I, I, if people don't like Frasier, I guess like it's very corny and nineties, but so is like everything else made then. Well, uh, you know, I I never had any strong feelings on Frasier until uh, a few years ago. I I met a, a friend who had moved here, and English was not their first language, and uh, him and his wife told me. Uh, you know, we learned to speak English by watching Frasier <laughs> and that like they ended us. up moving out. 
they ended up moving out of town. I haven't seen them in a while. But, you know, anytime I would talk to them, I, I would try. I would always be thinking about this. Like, I wonder, like, if they had this sort of, like, wry, like, this dry sitcom-y sense of humor, maybe. Because the language they learned was what had, like, Frasier baked into it. And and these folks were intellectuals. You know, they they had professional degrees. They did very professional work. Uh, you, and and just the idea of them saying like canned Fraser phrases, just always that was always fantastic. Well, I to maintain me. though that that happens even when English is your first language. So from listening oh, too yeah. much to Come Town, I started laughing kind of like Nick Mullen, and I had to notice that and stop it. From like listening to certain things, I have several times like inherited little bits of language or linguistic ticks. I think the people yeah. underestimate how much I think that if you posted this on Twitter, people would be like, ah, it's bullshit. I think they deeply underestimate how much you can be influenced by watching just a TV show or anything you truly <laughs> yeah. absorb a lot of. I don't think that's a bad yes. thing, but you will pick up shit just by speaking. You are definitely not done doing that when you're like a kid i think it still mm. happens oh it absolutely still happens oh, the most embarrassing and one for me was when i watched like all of rescue me with dennis leary and i was like a snarky version of myself for like a week before my brother was like you sound like dennis leary and it's not great oh no like, well what the fuck it's just like this weird like grumpy fucking snooty shit head <laughs> Grumpy Ed Zitron. Yeah, that's unusual. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but this, no, that no, this is like a like the acerbic though. It was like a constantly, yeah. look, like in a very specific way, constantly looking for something to be pissed off about, and then go on a rant yeah. about, which is a very Dennis Leary thing. Like Felix Biederman of Chapo Trap House posted the other day a Dennis Leary, like from the nineties, I think it was, of him like getting mad about. He's like. When I get the fucking memo, there's a mochaccino, there's a fucking ladder. It's just all this shit. And that, that was the 90s, though. Like, 90s comedy was just, I'm pissed off at this. And I think, to the point about Louis C.K. So everyone's like, ah, Louis C.K., I never liked his shit. That's one of my favorite myths on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I, I, I laughed a lot at Louis' stuff. But all these people... All these people finding uh, finding Louis C.K.'s material retroactively offensive. You really never listened to him before? Never listened to like, there's a bit where he talks about his wife giving him a sad hand job because she owes it to him. Uh, there's oh. when he talks about what he calls Cinnabons and he uses the F slur. Oh, I remember. And the context of yeah. that. He, yeah, well, you're about to probably say he discusses the context of that joke in Louis. Or were you not? Yeah, and it, and he doesn't look like a good guy. No, and... I mean, I watched it and I was like, ugh. That's one thing with Louis C.K. I've never really understood. He, like, got all this success and he definitely skated by not getting called out for stuff like I just mentioned. He could have just, like, been rich and it would be fine. But he had to masturbate with another person in the room. Could he just close the door? Like, like just I, I get these guys who like get successful. <laughs> like, ah, I gotta 
ah, as I, I gotta share my weirdness. I gotta share my fucking jack off thing with you. I gotta share my weird, well, I, freaky shit with you now. That's just something that will always I, confound me. I think, uh, in in maybe you can speak on that, Ed, because I I think, uh, from my perspective, you have been pretty successful in your field. Yeah, and I I think that it's not unusual for people who become really successful in one field or another to kind of have a hard time keeping up on the hedonic treadmill that we've talked about before, which is that your, your, your biochemical reaction is not to having a static level of success or a static level of, of money or a static level of fame or a a static amount of like positive feedback from your friends, a lot of your biochemical reactions are based on the rate of change. And so really like as you're climbing the ranks, you feel good, you feel good. And then you get to the top, which has never happened to me by the way, but let's say you got to the top of your field. Yeah. Uh, you would, from what I understand, uh, feel at, as though you know you you're still doing everything you're still keeping up and you don't feel as good as you used to because uh essentially you're used to having a certain level of fame and friendship and people kissing your ass and and money and all these other things uh i i can attest to the idea that uh if you have a property or an outlet or a publication or a website or something that you know gets more and more and more popular in peaks and then becomes less popular that yeah it it does not feel great so i know that that is true at the very least but i never jacked off uh, i never made so, anybody i mean you know for the level of success i've had and i'm very lucky and very happy I make a pretty large amount of money i hate saying it it makes me feel weird I don't, I was where I was raised. You don't talk about what you make, let alone like whether it's a large amount. But one thing that never happened was, I mean, just to be clear, I got horny. Don't want like absolutely (laughs) like that would be a fucking lie. But I was never like, ah, I'm successful now. (laughs) I have to be horny. And I finally, I finally made it. Now I don't have to be horny. Well, well, I love that idea as well. Like, uh, I'm, I am a billionaire now. I am now sexless. I'm f- like a fucking. I do, I do not have need for this what anymore. I do not need like, to participate. Wait, I always in- was laughing about the idea of Jeff Bezos, like looking at his penis and going, like, put away these childish things. <laughs> So when when he heard out the, heard the picture went out, he's like, Ugh, "That thing again." <laughs> I I I haven't I haven't seen that thing in years. What I I don't even penis, know what it's doing. Long drag on cigarette. I haven't heard that out <laughs> of that thing in years. But no, well, you know, he definitely Ed. He has an Amazon employee, and it's probably one of those eleven dollar an hour workers. Mm. He has one of them, and and the. The person pisses for him. <laughs> he just go, just take care of this for me. He yeah, has a voluntary yeah, and colostomy he, bag. And I will not <laughs> waste my time with this. 
Yeah, and he doesn't, it's like he's so, he has moved past being horny to the point where he's like, I don't even want to engage any of my genitalia and not even the ass. So like everything. for him. Yes. I also also like that I justified those as two different things. (laughs) (laughs) No, what I was getting at though was. I didn't see when I went through the ranks of PR and go on the leaderboard and you see your name go up. I didn't yeah. get in any weird thing where I felt like I was owed something. I'm not sure why, but maybe it's just I grew up being constantly scared of losing everything. Sure. Despite yeah. that yeah. not happening until like my marriage, then divorce. Like that, that should, that definitely hammered, that hammered that message home. But I was never in a situation yeah. where I was like, ah, I'm owed this. I mean, I, let me take a step back. I believe everyone feels like that on some level. I think it's incorrect to assume you don't feel owed something. You can tell yourself and try and reinforce the world doesn't owe you anything, but you feel like you're owed a certain amount. There's probably like a hedonic treadmill version of that where you feel the world owes you for the amount of whatever you've put into the world. Nevertheless, I didn't feel like someone else, due to my status, owed me something outside of like, I ordered this food and it's cold and hey, can I get the food made properly? And I would still never like yell at anyone over that and yell at customer service. But nevertheless, I did see people like managers who like sexually harassed people. I did see that. Yeah. And I guess authority is sexy like that. I guess they like the idea. It's like, ah, I'm here now. I can, I can do some shit or just they, Whatever, like, everyone's brain is a complete complete nightmare, I assume. I assume that everyone's just got random yeah. thoughts going oh, left, yeah. right, up, down, side to side. But I feel like everyone is just fucked up on some level, like everything's a mess. And just the response that came out was, I want to do this, so I'm going to do this. And so the outrage you'll see... Like, towards someone who's saying, hey, look, there's more than one gender, just fucking let live and let live. The outrage they see there is, like, they believe that their version of the world is correct, and thus they deserve a world without more than two genders. Which is just, like, who fucking cares? I care for their right to have whatever gender someone wants, or doesn't want. The non-binary people, they can have whatever they do or do not want. By all means, not hurting anyone. Sure, yeah. But I think there is something where the dopamine rush you get from having money and being able to buy things and do stuff is such that you are just looking for another hit, maybe. And I know people who make like a quarter of what I make who spend way more than I do. And each and every time I'm like, ooh, 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 buddy. It's always a dude, by the way. Or like the, like, yeah. like it's always yeah. guys, and they're always like, and they do stupid things with their money, like they do, and it's you watch them do it, and I've never really been close enough to one, like friends wise, to actually ask why, because it's like other than because I can, you have to wonder, like the people who make I don't know hundred grand a year, which is a lot of money, it's a lot of money, then they get a car that takes up half their income or a quarter of their income and they're like it makes me happy it's like yeah but does it make you scared not too? really <laughs> no even <laughs> if it makes you super happy even if it does does it make you 
scared? Does that la- does that danger you put yourself scare you? Does that get you? Does that eat away at you? Because even like when things are good, like just like if I spend a certain amount of money, I'm like ah ah, just immediately anxious. Maybe that's protected me. I don't know, but I have to wonder if there's just two things going on. They just people do things as they want to. I think that that's probably a very clean response to like what a lot of these really fucking horrible people have done. They want to get a place, they do a thing. But I also think there's something in my brain that's either wrong or right where I'm still really happy with some remarkably simple things. Like if I can afford the wine I like or like to get, like I'm pretty happy to stay at home and like, with the wife and the kid and watch whatever fucking TV's on, have a glass of wine, go to bed at 10. I'm, I'm happy with it. Maybe that is the problem. Maybe the, they're not happy with any of that. And there has to be this escalation in lifestyle. Cause I live in like, I live in a pretty big house. Like I like the basics are very nice. I'm very lucky to have that. But beyond that, well, I, I don't know. Like, I don't go. Crazy. I I think after you do something once, I think a lot of people lack the ability to learn. So, I mean, I know that uh, you know uh, we had really my wife and I had really ratty cars. We, uh, you know, there was a right. spot, and this was a, a very long time ago. This was you know early last decade. I got a book deal. I sold a bunch of books. I sold a bunch of t-shirts. I suddenly had more money than I usually had. And we got a new car and the new car was very nice. It had a CD player in it, which was novel. And uh, we got the new car and it was very nice to drive. And the thing is with a new car is it's nice to drive for like as long as you notice it. And there will be moments when, when. By the way, I still have the car. The car is now uh, yeah. sixteen years old. <laughs> but uh, you know, I still, I good money well spent. Yeah, then. yeah, and you know, it's like, wow, this has four wheel drive. Wow, you know, I can, I can drive because we have snow and ice and slush and everything here. Yeah, uh, and it was a. I will say also, it was a used car when we bought it. So, uh, but. Uh, after a while, it's not, it doesn't give you any kind of great feelings to drive it. Not only because obviously something like a new car, a new house, or a new computer, or a new phone, or whatever. Not just because it degrades, but because your mind just eventually accepts it as normal. And so, yeah, uh, really, the uh, you know, I I never had money to spend on anything, And, you know, I got a couple nice things and they were nice. And then it just sort of blended into the background. And so, you know, after I did that a couple times and I'm not talking about lavish purchases, I'm talking about literally a used car because, you know, we needed a car. And uh, uh, after doing that a couple times, you're like, wow, well, this really does not provide me, you know, lasting pleasure. And pretty much the only thing that I could ever spend uh, any amount of money on that I would be okay with doing were things that I could create with and, and creative tools like, you know, a, uh, a microphone, which, you know, I got this microphone a long time ago. It's a decent one. Uh, and I hooked it up and I'm recording on it and, and, you know, a, a 
computer that allows me to run Photoshop or whatever, uh, 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 you know, some clay to make pottery out of, you know, art supplies to make drawings or paintings, that kind of thing you never regret having because ultimately what those things provide you that your car provides you maybe transparently, your your car provides you a potential, right? Your car, um, realistically, when you use your car, you go to the store, you go to work, you go to the post office, whatever. You do your things in your car and your car blends into the background. And really all you experience is, you know, I'm in the car, I'm driving, I'm going to this place, I'm listening to this music, whatever. Uh, but your car provides you the potential to do these things that are probably transparent unless you've had to go without them in which case you probably do appreciate them. But, uh, you yeah. know, uh, something like art supplies or tools for creativity will will give you this sort of potential that that goes beyond what you're going to make with it. It, it really uh, enables you to feel empowered. And so uh, I, I think there may be a slightly simpler one as well. You may remember the quote from what I believe is a highly overrated movie, Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, no matter where you go, there you are. I do think that that plays some of it. That they talk about money can't buy you happiness. I hate that fucking term because it absolutely can. Oh, it does. Yeah. It, no, it, it actually... It can buy you stability. <laughs> it, like, absolutely does. It buys you stability and it, hope. It works really... If, if you don't It need works hope, really well. Yeah, it works really well. <laughs> Like I have been dirt poor, and I would, I have a decent amount of money now. Like, yeah, it, it makes you happier if you know where to spend it. But money cannot cover up certain things. It cannot cover up. I guess you could buy therapy if you invest yourself in therapy. If you go to therapy and you just talk a fucking line of shit, you're wasting your time. I've done it, so I know. But if you, if you're, if if it is two dimensional consumption. You are never going to be happy, ever. And the, and there is that fucking I fucking I always see this stupid fucking thing from like really like rich guys or guys who protect the rich, so Republicans, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, you know, it, I I saw this Jimmy John's thing. It was this Jimmy. Someone posted this Jimmy John's thing. It was this story of this rich guy who talks about things you could talking to like this Mexican fishing guy. And he's like, yeah, I hang around. I play guitar with my amigos. And that's how I immediately knew it was rent by white guy. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I play, and I see my family and I fish all day. And then basically this long meandering story comes to an end where it's like, well, what do you do with your money? Well, I bought a nice house in the fishing village and I fish all day and I see my family. I play music with my friends. It's just fucking this vague thing of basically not ha like having money right now yes it does make you happier the reason that a lot of these rich people are fucking pathological and crazy about it is all they care about is numbers nothing about the money actually makes them happy other than the fact that they have it the va the reason they have to keep buying things keep buying new things buying 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 the reason that they keep buying shit is because nothing is quite scratching that itch and that's because the itchy scab is from them being like deeply unhappy people yeah. with no fulfillment. Nothing makes them happy. If they drink, what they drink doesn't make them happy. Who they're with doesn't make them happy or doesn't make them happy enough. They hate themselves very 
very possible. You can have all the money in the world and hate yourself. And the reason that you'll see people like Jeff Bezos buy like has a bazillion trillion bazillion dollars. That's that's math. He keeps buying like expensive things and such because something's not working for yeah. him. Like something doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Nothing is like nothing quite feels right in their mind. And so they have to do more. So you'll see someone like Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs, Lord rest his soul, killed by the large bee that they found. <laughs> That's why it hid in Indonesia. <laughs> Stung him to death. No, but he bought like a $200 million yacht and like all this shit. Truth is nothing was truly making them happy because at about $2 million, $3 million, you can have people to do all the shit that sucks. You can have a cleaner. You can have someone to do your laundry. You could have someone cook. You could just order him food every day. You could have someone drive you everywhere to the store. You could just have a driver sitting idle if the mood takes you. If you don't have $3 million, yeah, you could buy a fucking house in Hawaii. Or you could just, just go to a five-star hotel whenever you want it. Mm-hmm. So those base things that you need to do are done for you. Or they can be. And so at that point, I think it becomes a status thing. It becomes a, it becomes about f- proving you have money, which is, I, I don't really understand that one. I guess if you have friends who, I guess if you want to feel cool, I don't know, maybe I just don't feel good about myself or like, I don't need that. I don't know. I don't need anyone to like, I want the people I like to like me. Yeah, anyway. sure. Um, well, you know, it. But the one thing that stuck out is all of these rich freaks or people who are famous and then go a bit nuts yeah. is something's still missing and maybe they expected when they reached money dollars or X fame that hole would fill. They expected it. Oh, yeah. They ex- well, will that hole fill? And the truth is... If you're not happy with, if you don't surround yourself with things that actually make you happy, rich or poor, then you will just be unhappy. But also, if you just feel like shit about yourself and fucking hate yourself, that's in your brain all the time, man. You can drink to numb it, but the voice is still there. It's just drunk now. <laughs> that's uh, that's an excellent that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, one of but they, but then but also but I I just add the. I think the people who people who are grateful for what they have, rich or poor, generally seem happier because they're like they recognize the value they're in. They recognize the value of what they have and possibly the feeling of having lost it before. Yeah. And thus they can reflect and go, okay, I'm not fucking perfect, but I think I'm fairly grateful for what I have. And it's like when you see these people who are so dead set on not losing another fucking, or like the seven, the seventy thing is just, I'm not going to discuss it. It's such a fucking stupid. It's so stupid because it affects like no one, like no one arguing about it is actually seventy percent. It's the seventy percent tax. Okay, now we're going to talk about it. It's a marginal tax rate increase over all income above ten million dollars. Okay, above, yeah, Alec, yeah, above, yeah, yeah. Above 
above it. So it's not like you even get to... It's not like anyone making $10 million isn't already fucking the IRS (laughs) through some labyrinthine series of accountants. Another example of how, like, money can buy you (laughs) happiness. It's like the... like There's, like, this weird thing of just... If you have a certain amount of money, you just pay, like, one dollar. You don't... You some... Jeff Bezos pays no taxes, has all the money in the world. That's... And he was still married when he wanted to cheat. Be single, dude. You you can't cheat when you're single. Come on, dude. <laughs> you can buy a robot girl. Like they have they have sex dolls on Amazon. He could have just walked downstairs. If that's I'm sure if that's right. what and of course that's not what he wanted. That's why sex dolls have never become very popular. Is because they don't you know replace anything. I just, ha- but- I just have to wonder what's missing. Well, I think I know it's kind of childish I, to be like, oh, they're the bullies. They're they're bullies because something's missing in their I, life. But it's I ooh. I think the problem is that some people are just assholes. And and you know, I would love for there to be a clinical, a psychological, a scientific solution to turn somebody who's an asshole into somebody who's not an asshole. It's not a value yeah. judgment. It's not you're a good person, you're a bad person. Look, some people are just assholes. And I mean, that's that's a very rude thing to say. I don't think very many people are total assholes, but there's some people that just are. And, you know... And I imagine that probably dovetails with being ruthless, which gives people success. Sure, sure, absolutely. So I, I've had it on on good word from an Amazon ex employee that I that I am acquainted with, not good friends with them, but I heard that uh, at, at Amazon people were required, and this is obviously the warehouse employees are being tortured daily and forced to walk. This amount of uh, this amount of time, they can't go to the hospital when they get injured. They have their own nurses that will patch you up and send you back out to piss on bottles, to piss in bottles on the warehouse floor. Which yeah. God help you if you don't That's if if insane. you don't have a tube to shoot that piss out in, you know. Uh, and and at the end of the day, Jeff Bezos has scraped like point whatever percent back into his own coffers by forcing office workers to buy their own furniture. If you work for Amazon, there's this whole torturous system. I'm sure you've heard of this idea where they measure everybody's performance and they cut the lowest percent, whatever. And of yeah, course, yeah, it's all it's, arbitrary and it doesn't work. And it just... It, it's it's for people who are very good at college essays. No, the pe- no. It's for people who are good at college because they could remember the right mm-hmm. things, yeah. Versus actually apply yeah. them. The OKR system. It's it's very much like a school two. <laughs> it's, like a, it's a thing for fucking insufferable people to be like, ah, oh, my my numbers are high. I'm a top performer based on my numbers. It's like <laughs> fuck off, you fucking. That's fucking, I I love spent my life. I've spent my life <laughs> fucking hating people who were good at writing agendas and fucking kissing up and knowing exactly the right level of passive aggressive to be. Yeah. Yeah. Those for those fucking people. Those people are like war criminals to me. <laughs>
Those people, I used to work for this person. I won't gender them, so they won't know who it is. But anyone who worked there would know. For my first job in PR, there was this fucking person. And they would, you would get like one bullet point wrong. Yeah. And they'd send it back to you and be like, you need to fix this. Oh, yeah. And they could have literally fixed it themselves. But the idea that you did it was important. Because then you had done something for them. They had used their managerial thing. And they'd take your results so that they could say they were successful as a manager. Yeah. The very term manager, a manager who doesn't do stuff, that's a thief. (laughs) That's just a thief. They steal. And yes, there are results that my boys get that I then produce to the client. But I'll say, I uh, fucking Trevor got this. And that, to me, is management. Anyway. Going back to the happiness thing, and I feel that a lot of these people, they're not fulfilled by their work, which is fine. That's fine. Can they be fulfilled by something else? They should be. And I'm talking about people with a ton of money, because there's also a very stupid fucking thing where people are like, oh, you need to find something that fulfills you as well as work when you're making like fucking nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like, that. no, you've, you've just... the Even people who make like 50 grand in New York which I did. And yeah, that's not good. That's barely covering rent. Like it's just every month is just a constant surge of pain. Oh God. And it's like those people, like people in that kind of situation are told, yeah, you just need to be better with money. <laughs> it's by these people who have not thought about their money as anything other than a gestalt entity for a while. Yeah. They don't think about like dollar for dollar. They think about fucking the thousands they have and the movement of the larger groups of thousands. And it's insane to me that these people are still out there not being happy because past a certain amount of money, like all of the really boring stuff from life is mostly taken care of. Other than like pissing and shitting, you're mostly covered and it's insane to me. It is, it's insane to me. Like watching these people are like, oh no, now I'm only going to make $15 million a year. You know, uh, uh, why do you it's, need? It's, like, it, I'm not saying I'm going to give up 90% of my income. In fact, that I would really like to not do that. <laughs> I already give up like 40% of my income every fucking year. You, uh, and it's like, it's called living in a society, is the joke is. Right, right, but right. These fucking people, they're like, oh no, I'm not going to. Like, how much debt did you put yourself in, man? Well, you know, here's the here's the thing is that uh, there are basically goals that I have that I will never attain. And, and let me tell you about my actual goals. So here's. Here's the thing. Uh you know, we we talked about this and and I haven't been very open about this um in public. I think I can say it on the podcast because not a lot of people listen. Um right. but basically uh last year I uh administered a, a project and it did pretty well. Um and we burned through almost all the money. And I ended up getting paid uh, $500 uh, as as my cut of what I took. And um, I ended up then doing five separate donations of 100 bucks. And, and that's not 
that's nothing. Okay. If, if you give a hundred bucks to planned parenthood, okay. That's like, that's very, very, very little. And I still feel, uh, I do that like once a month. Right, right. No, and and I No, I was I was saying that it's like I should probably do more. I'm, no, and and that's fine. No, I'm not I don't take that as an offense. I'm I'm just saying that you know, I I don't have a ton of extra money to to give away, but uh you know, it 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 was a weird thing. It was a weird vibe. Uh I I felt weird about the project. Uh it it you know, Long story short, I ended up feeling like, hey, maybe I can take, you know, I made basically a very uh, $500 still, if you're in the middle of Ohio, still doesn't go super far. So I thought I'll take this, you know, dump it into some charities that do work that I believe in that I feel good about and, uh, you know, dumped it in, tried to scratch some people up to donate some money and ended up raising uh, just shy of $7,000 by dint of just saying, hey, uh, we should help Planned Parenthood, literally. I think you should. It supports women's yeah. health. It keeps them from fucking getting cancer. Uh, yeah, and it gives them contraceptives and 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 birth control and all this and, and chucked some money into, you know, anti-domestic violence organizations and, and uh, the Ohio domestic violence whatever it is. I don't remember the name, right. something for homelessness, all this stuff and, and ended up, you know, uh, pushing people to dump some money in there. And I, I felt really good about it. Um, and it's not something that I have the opportunity to do very often. And so I, one of the things that I feel really strongly about is homelessness. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm a sucker, but if I see a guy who's fucking homeless and I mean, you gave a guy $20 last time, you know, I, I, you know, if I have small bills or whatever, I'll give the guy money and I need, I mean, they have problems. I know there was a guy who was stuck at the post office and he had facial tattoos. He like the Joker. They were going up his mouth. You mentioned this guy last time. Up his mouth. Yeah. It's the guy you gave 20 bucks to. Yeah. Oh, I didn't give him twenty bucks. I gave him five dollars. I don't have twenty. <laughs> well, you gave him twenty bucks for some reason. No, no, I. Uh, my memory barely works. Oh, I, so, I like, no, my brain. This could have been like you gave your child some money. Yeah. And they bought a sandwich, and like I remembered it as a homeless person. No, my, uh, I'm, I'm not even forty yet. My brain is totally Swiss cheese. No, I've got. I'm thirty. I've got. Like, I'm fucking done. No, I've I've got serious memory holes, right? But but uh, uh, anyway, it it feels really fucking good to do something for people, especially for homeless people. And I don't give a shit if he bought uh, heroin or whatever with it. I I always thought it was really, I I always thought it was funny because I used to hang out uh, when I lived in Cincinnati. I used to hang out uh, on this place called Short Vine, right? And it was this little like cul-de-sac, this little chopped off ass end of Vine Street. And there were all these little places. There was a club down there, whatever. There was like a goth place there. There was like, this is the 90s. So I'm sure it's all like condos now. But uh, all these cool little shops and there were homeless people. And, uh, you know, I'd be hanging out with my buddies and go down and and tool around. And people would always talk shit on the homeless guys because, you know, not that it was great, 
but you know we're talking 18 19 year old dudes and also the the homeless folks down there were really aggressive especially towards younger people who you know maybe you know obviously white fat shitheads from the suburbs which we were so whatever but i always thought the idea was funny that you know oh they're just going to spend the money on booze where you know we were going to go home or we're going to go to a a show or we're going to go to a club or we're going to go wherever and we're going to get some fucking beer and, and get drunk or smoke weed or whatever. And it was always really ridiculous to me that that's why you don't give somebody money is to specifically deny them happiness. That, that always struck me. And so what I always thought is I always thought, well, shit, if I ever and it's never going to happen because like like we were talking about i'm not a ruthless person i don't have this capability to work 16 18 hour days doing like actual serious business work and shaking hands making deals i can't stand that shit and i'm also probably bad at it right and and so this is never going to happen but if i got 100 million if i got 10 million dollars right Here's something that they've studied, okay? They studied this. They tried it in Utah, which is a weird place. It looks like it's on the moon, has a lot of great people there, right? A lot of weird people, a lot of great people. They tried this. It fixed, did not 100% fix, okay, homelessness, but it made people very happy and it gave people the ability to start pulling themselves up and get jobs and, you know, tackle their problems and get medical help and X, Y, and Z, which is that they provided them with free housing. They literally- Yeah, and you, you've you got this whole plan. They literally, yeah, they- The 100 million, ha- the warehouse plan, right? Yeah, if it's a warehouse or it's, or it's whatever kind of building, you build free housing for people. And when people have free housing and they have a mailing address- This makes it so that people who have essentially dropped out of society and are basically going to be left to die can put their lives together and can do something. And and it's not for any reason. If you start – if I start telling this plan, half the people that I tell this to will respond. And this is very – this is very interesting to me. People, if I go off on this shit and I start talking about this to people, they'll say, oh, yeah, well, that'll reduce crime. I don't give a shit about crime. I I want specifically people who don't have anything to have something in their life. That's it. That's literally yeah. all. And, obvi- and, a lot of what, and a lot of what this is as well, there's two vast polarized points. When you don't have a home, when you don't have a stable home, so the studies into transients, which as in like not having a home, aren't just about the homeless. They're about those who feel threatened in their place of home. So they yeah. can't actually, like mentally, they do not have a home in their, in their brains. Yeah. So the effect on you is debilitating. So you have very few choices. You actually narrow your choices. You narrow that which you're able to do on that which you want to do. The crippling depression, but also that which you can do without a home, even if you have one with an address, the forces in that home may not let you make those choices. Right, yeah. When people, and so you are isolated and you have a lack of choice, people with a shit ton of money, so the people who make, 
5, 10, 15 million a year. I feel like they're isolated by too much choice, and so they choose that which is quickest, or they choose stuff that they think will make them feel better versus stuff that will make them feel better, and stuff that is quick. So I'm going to buy... And let's take the car thing off the table, because I actually don't think that that's what eats most of these people. It's doing stuff for optics, so doing stuff going on vacation specifically to show off about it, or like investing. That's my favorite one, where there are these guys who I know who have like lost hundreds of thousands of dollars investing in startups that were going to die. Yeah. And they like the idea of being an investor. Uh-huh. Not the output. Not like the idea they could make money, the idea of like being a founder investor guy. And it's like, why does that make you feel good? Is it because you want to see people succeed? Fuck no. It's because you want to feel important. Because you you want to feel like you're pulling the strings. It it gives you Exactly. Yeah. And so you choose things that don't necessarily make you happy. And these are not people wanting for money or wanting for things to do. So a great example of what you can do if you have a shit ton of money, you could do something nice. So Mark Benioff, literal billionaire, he like has given like a hundred million dollars to just a hospital, like Benioff Children's Hospital. Yeah. Like he just did that. And then Time was in the toilet, a magazine he loved, and he just bought it. He was like, Yeah, I don't fucking care what you do. I was I I I'm paying your bills now. Have fun. <laughs> hopefully hopefully your bills will be hopefully you can cover your bills, but if they can't, give me a ring. So he he Which is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, it, like that is the kind of, yeah. Well, it, it, but even then, that's like not enough. Like you could probably do more. And I don't know. I, I I feel like I don't know the perfect amount of judgment and stuff you can do, but that feels like more toward willing the good. Well, I'll I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something else that strikes me. And one one of my favorite shows of all time is the show Shark Tank. And and I've told people this, uh, and they're like, oh, because, you know, they're entrepreneurs like like you. And the, the answer is no. First off, I'm not an entrepreneur. I didn't invent anything, right? Well, I- That's not what an entrepreneur is. Entrepreneur literally just means someone who, like, created a business and they have, like, reputation for it, I guess. It's a fucking stupid term. It doesn't mean anything. So, yeah, so I, I don't think that I am. Um, you know, I've just made stuff and sold it, and it's not a business, and it's not investable, and it's not a company, and it probably doesn't have any sort of logic behind it. Like I said, you know, I don't have patience for any of that uh, uh, because my my goal in life, when it comes down to it, and it took me until I was really old to realize this. My goal in life is to fuck around. I just want to yeah. I just want to fuck around. And here's the thing. Maybe that's it though. Maybe these people with a lot of money don't enjoy that. Oh no, they no, there's no, they don't enjoy fucking around. And when I say fucking around, I mean just uh uh just having fun doing shit that's like funny or weird. And here's here's the thing. Like when I was a kid, we used to drive around in cars and yell at people, but we wouldn't yell. And and I, I'll first off, I'll say, yeah, no, it's not great. It's not good to yell at people. Okay, and we it's wouldn't okay. yell and insult them. We would yell weird shit at them, like eggs. 
We wouldn't throw eggs. Well, I'm not saying we would throw eggs at them. I'm saying we would just yell eggs. We'd yell weird shit at people and people would be like, hey, and then they'd be like, what? What is that? Right? It's fun. So it's funny, right? And so I love the show Shark Tank because there are these people, Mark Cuban in particular, uh, has $3 billion. And uh, is it good that he's like, I will invest in this business. I will make your dream come true. Superficially, superficially, when you see the editing and there are people smiling and they're crying and they hug and they get money and they say, this is the American dream. And they say, you made my dream come true superficially. It's very uplifting. But here's the thing. The dream you had for your life is to make aprons, then your dreams fucking suck. Your dreams are my nightmare. That's just the thing that you do for money. Yes. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So uh, essentially, the reason... I used to work in corporate America, like I t- like I talked about it in the last episode. I used to work for Procter and Gamble, one of the largest makers of consumer goods in America. They make bounty paper towels and Folgers crystals, right? So I have experience in making this stuff, and I used to work in that industry. And I quit because I was making like eight thousand dollars working there as a temp employee. And then I made $8,000 selling t-shirts. So I quit because I was making an equal amount on t-shirts. And I was like, well, this is more fun. And this is maybe, you know, I don't have to kiss some weird robot guy's ass forever to get bumped up to $9,000 a year or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so this is never stated in, in the show and in the tale of American entrepreneurship, which is that somebody worked the numbers and they said, hey, making fucking aprons, making cupcakes, making surfboards that have Bluetooth, making this kind of trash makes me more money than going to work at a job that is available to me given my level of training and experience, right? There's a calculus there that is completely sidestepped by all this bullshit talk about the the American dream or whatever dream somebody it's had. The romanticization of work. It is this idea that working is you, which it is to an extent, but it should not be your character unless you are like physically doing it. Yeah, or maybe a yeah. doctor. Like I could see if your work if your work's important. Like mine is not. But one weird thing I've never understood, like you can enjoy work, you can be passionate about it. One thing I've never realized, I'm going to use this as a long anecdote to close off the episode because I have something really poisonous to end on. Great. So, <laughs> I like my job. I love my job at times. You know what I love? I get the money at the end. Thank you for the money. I don't know what's wrong with that. What's wrong with being good at something? Get money from it. I don't want to fucking talk about being an entrepreneurial genius. I don't fucking care. Who cares? Who cares if anyone... As long as, like, my clients and the journalists are happy, like, who fucking cares? I don't give a shit. I don't give a fucking shit. And all these people in PR talk about being, like, storytellers and trendsetters, and it's like, no, go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> stop pretending you care that much. I'm angry at you for that. Yeah. You're lying to yourself. Yeah. You deeply, you deeply conceited person. Like, you're not... Like, if you're that happy, 
You're a fucking simpleton. I don't like you. I'll judge you unfairly based on everything I've said the rest of this episode. But in reality, I know that these people are not like, there's no one doing social media who's like, oh my God, just genuinely at the core, like, oh, this is uh, passionate. They're happy because they do things that get the numbers up and they get paid. Right, right. If they're not happy with the with the money, then they're probably unhappy. And then that's that whole, there's this pervasive myth, and it is a myth. It's like millennials don't care as much about money. What that actually means is millennials also care about not being treated like shit, but the money's important. Like, you want to pay them the money so they can fuck around and also pay for rent and clothes and shit. So, what really romanticizes this stuff is kind of part of my industry. And this is where I closed the episode, because I read this and I was like, ah, this isn't a just world. So, Fast Companies, world's most innovative companies, came out. And I just want to go to the social media section. Because you'd think, oh, maybe it would be like a social media company at number one. No, Wendy's. Oh, man. They received top honors in social media for keeping up the conversation with its customers and dunking on the competition. So this is what really depresses people, though. This is what kills people. And this is why this isn't a just world. And this isn't a... This isn't a situation where if you do that job, you're not doing it for passion. Because ultimately, that's the fucking shit that actually succeeds. Like, that is what gets you... See, it's some vapid, stupid shit. That's why I don't think I care that much. Like, I care about my job, the money and all that. But it's not like my work product is something where I'm like, I'm a genius. Because ultimately, I know... The things that get you noticed sometimes are not necessarily like complex or good or even thoughtful. It's not like any of the smart ideas I have truly get me paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is why so many people my age are pissed off because the rewards, the people who have houses, the people who have jobs, the people paid the most are the ones who don't appear to be doing that much and those that do have the money have the most like jeff bezos got there on the backs of people who actually work who actually bust their ass even at the corporate level but especially more importantly at the at the personal level yeah and that's the insane thing that's what's depressing people people are depressed because the companies the people getting rewards are not necessarily the ones that are trying to do good that are trying to do better. And I encourage you, I encourage you, listener, all, what well, episode 19, so 19 of you, your frustrations are real and they're important and you shouldn't believe that because someone reached a point, bef- a point above you that they are better and it's not because you didn't work hard enough, it's because they got lucky. Most of this world is luck and I wish good luck to you. I really do. And and I think that's Ed. I think that's a very important point. Is that so much of of everything, including success, is literally absolute luck. You know, uh, like you like you said, you you blame a lot of your success on luck. I know. Anytime I've had something that you know, a piece of viral content, which unfortunately is is what I trade in. Uh, anytime I've had something that was viral, it it was due to luck. Anytime I've had something that I've made that's resonated with a lot of people, it's, it's due to luck. And so it, it really, 
if if things seem unjust, if the system seems unjust, it's because it is. It's completely fucking arbitrary and random. It's completely arbitrary and random. And so fuck the future. So fuck the future. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, with with Rob Zombie, we're gonna we're gonna close this out. Listen, thanks again for listening. I'm Drew Toothpaste at Drew Toothpaste on Twitter, and Ed is at Ed Zitron on Twitter. Uh, thanks again for listening. Follow at FT Futurecast on Twitter if you haven't already, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. <laughs>